Yo, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Off the Glass podcast. Today we have episode number 26, and we are going to finally be wrapping up our position rankings with the top 10 centers um, of the upcoming NBA season. As always, again, we are going to be projecting a little bit into next season with our top 10 rankings. Um, We're also going to be reacting to the NBA schedule release, which came out since we've last recorded, get into some of the Christmas Day games, opening night games. Uh, rivalry week, which they did last year, and they're bringing back again and talk through some of those biggest matchups. Again, we got to go and talk through the James Harden saga because it continues to get deeper and deeper each and each and every day there in Philly. The drama is never ending. Um, and lastly, we're going to finish up with some some blind rankings of NFL players and Hall of Famers as well. Um, that's going to be a nice little you know short TikTok video. So, without further ado, we're going to go ahead and get into it as we always do. How are we doing today, Dan? Doing great, man. I am doing great. I'm excited. Let's talk about these centers, man. I feel like this list is going to be real interesting. It's not going to be the power forward one was kind of straightforward. Like, it wasn't really too much change up there. But this center is one. It could, it could be a little bit of our, – our list could be a little bit different here. Yeah, I think this is going to be the one that's closest to the point guard list and that our list at least were shaken up from each other. There's a lot of, of variance – like you said, shooting guard, small forward, and power forward, I feel like we're pretty cut and dry, especially once you get to, like, the top three or four guys and even a little bit before that. Like, everybody's kind of bunched up in the same tiers. Center, I think, like point guard, everybody is going to have different opinions on what they want out of their center or what makes a center great. Um, and so I'm interested to see how our list shakes out because I know it's some guys that I probably have on my list that you might not have on your list at all and vice versa. Um, so I'm interested to see, I'm uh, going to get the housekeeping out of the way as always. If you're on YouTube, like, comment, subscribe to the channel, audio platform platforms, five-star review, um, drop a, a five-star rating for the channel, pre-download the show. It helps us out a ton. Um, and we're going to go ahead and get right into the, the top 10 rankings. Uh, I think I went first last time on power forward. So I'm going to have you go first. Who is your number 10 center in the NBA going into next season? So my number 10 center was a little bit tough. Um, it was between two people. It was between Jared Allen and Miles Turner. Um, but I ultimately went with Miles Turner just because I feel like I, I do like what Jared Allen gives you on the defensive end. I feel like obviously they had a number one rated um, defense last year. So obviously that's a big factor. But I also feel like Miles Turner can give you a little bit more offensively. He can space the floor. Um, he'll give you a little bit more scoring. We'll still give you solid defense as well. And I think I'm factoring in the last playoff run from the Cavs into my rankings, too, just because it's like they got kind of bullied in the paint. Not kind of. They got bullied. Yeah, in the not kind of. They, the they, they got bullied. So it's like, yeah, in the regular season, you give me the number one defense. But come playoff time, I got two seven-footers on my team. And Mitch Robinson is out rebounding y'all, playing better defense, out hustling you guys. It's like, does it really translate to the playoffs? Like Jared Allen himself said the lights are a little bit too bright. So just me personally, I couldn't put a guy who the lights was too bright on my team. That's just me personally. Um, and I'm not even like the biggest Miles Turner guy in the world, you know what I mean? But I just feel like that that last playoff run kind of kind of was was the the tipping point for me as far as putting Miles Turner ahead of Jared Allen. Yeah, I went back and forth at number 10 as well. There's a couple of guys I feel like when I started making the list, and I made my list from number one down because, spoiler alert, 
Like, if you've been listening to the podcast, Jokic is going to be number one on both of our <laughs> lists. Uh, <laughs> so I just started with what I knew for certain and kind of worked my way backwards. Um, and the people that I had in mind when I was thinking when I got to 10 was, like, around, like, Jarrett Allen, Miles Turner, even, like, Valanchunas, like, was where I was thinking. And so when I got there for that last spot, I debated a lot between uh, Jarrett Allen and Miles Turner. And I had Jarrett Allen for a little bit, and I just kept thinking about it. Again, as high as I am on Tyrese Halliburton, I think it makes sense for me to also put Miles Turner here at 10 as well. Um, again, like you said, the Cavs playoff series um, against the Knicks was shocking for both of us. I know we both had um, the Cavs, I think, coming out of that series, and they, like you said, got bullied in the paint. Um, Jared Allen did not have a good series. He had the quote, like you said, that he thought the lights were too bright. You know, there's a lot of inexperience on that team, so – it's also tough to gauge at the same time because obviously the Pacers didn't make the playoffs, but I think as a rim protector, Miles Turner provides a little bit more than Jared Allen. Um, not even just from like a box score perspective, like he averages probably a, a more like a, almost a block more per game than Jared Allen does. Mm-hmm. Um, but also again, Jared Allen was playing with a top three candidate for defensive player of the year last year. You know, Miles Turner was pretty much heading up that their rim protection effort. So Jared Allen had a, like more support there um, as well, and then also the added benefit of Miles Turner being the floor spacer that he is. You know, for the last like three or four seasons or so, you're getting like four to four and a half threes a game from him um, on pretty good efficiency. This last year was honestly one of his most efficient um, in the NBA at over 37 percent, which for your big man is fantastic. And like, great, right. Like we mentioned with the additions that they have in Obi Toppin and Bruce Brown and Halliburton again, now getting it, you know, he's taking the steps. You see how he's been playing with the, uh, with the FIBA team, with team USA. Um, I know we're both really high on the Pacers. I think everybody in the organization is just going to benefit from there being a little bit of buzz around them. I think now there's really some expectations on them, which, can be a good thing and a bad thing. Hopefully, in their case, is a good thing where they're kind of expected to be a playoff team this year. I think a lot of people have them as a playoff team. Um, so hopefully they play up to that standard. And if they do, uh, Miles Turner will be a big reason why. Because like I said, he still is going to be their primary, um, you know, last line of defense at the rim. Um, and like has multiple, I don't, he hasn't averaged under two blocks a game in a season since 2017-18. So like year in, year out, like you're getting an elite rim protector and a floor spacer on the other end. Like you cannot ask for much more out of that kind of prototype big. Um, it's literally like the dream big man for like 90% of teams, bro. It's like right. I that's why he was always in them rumors with the Lakers trying to get him mm-hmm. to play alongside Anthony Davis. Because can you imagine Anthony Davis and Miles Turner? And he's able to space the floor as well as long as being like an elite rim protector. Like it's just it's pretty, in today's NBA, like it's just perfect. Yeah. So um, that's why I ended up putting him at ten. Like I said, I went back and forth for Jared Allen a lot. I like I've mentioned a ton of times on the show. Like Jared Allen fits that new the way that teams I think are starting to shift back to having a center who is just good at screen setting, rolling, rim protection, like getting back to the basics and fundamentals of quality big man play and going away from wanting unicorn type players a little bit. And Jared Allen, like could almost be the face of that. Like he does all of those things at a good level. So like he'll always, I think, float around this range, like 
borderline top 10 at this position because of that. But I don't know if we'll ever get higher because, again, he's kind of capped at that. And now playing with Evan Mobley, like he's going to start to get outshined in the defensive end. And I see, I honestly see a world where in a couple of years, if not sooner, like they move off of Jarrett Allen and Evan Mobley now has time. He beefs up. He can kind of become the, the full-time five there and they bring in somebody else to play the four or vice versa, just like kind of just move off Jarrett Allen and bring in somebody else um, and really let Evan Mobley kind of spread his wings even more defensively um, and continue to play that like Roma role and just bring in a different big body who may not command as much money as Jarrett Allen and divert that to a different position. They were saying that they were – well, not they were saying, but there was like kind of rumors that they might have done that this offseason with like Trey Jarrett Allen just mm-hmm. so he can give uh, Evan Mobley the full room to develop and stuff like that. So 100% in the near future, I think that's definitely a move that they're going to make or this definitely a move that they're going to have to make. I yeah. feel like. I also – I didn't realize this until I was going through and making this list, but like I kind of just felt like Evan Mobley and it might just be like the size difference in terms of weight. Evan Mobley is technically like by listed height taller than Jared Allen too. Is it? Oh, okay. Yeah, it's just the fact that he's so skinny. Yeah, like he's so much skinnier. Like I view him as a power forward, but it right, it makes sense. Yeah, I guess I think even if they move off of Jared Allen, I think it will always make sense for teams to have somebody else to like just be a bigger body. Yeah, um, for sure. Like, like same thing that uh, like Memphis does with Jaron and Stephen Adams, like let Jaron be the Romer and just have a, a quality center who can, you know, kind of do that. So like, even if they keep Jaron Allen, I think it's a good decision, but Evan Mobley is so versatile defensively. And if he can just get a little bit stronger, um, they may feel more comfortable with kind of moving off of Jaron Allen. And like I said, you then have more cap space to, you know, maybe try to find a better three, um, mm-hmm. you know, for, for Cleveland. So, yeah, so let's go on to, to number nine. Um, this is where I think the list is going to start to shake up for sure because um, I don't think you even have my number nine guy on your list. But what do you have at, at number nine? Okay, okay, interesting, interesting. My number nine is Rudy Gobert. Oh, he did um, make your top ten, okay. Yeah, yeah, he did, he did. Uh, it's just – I could, like – Listen, I'm telling people in the podcast now. I don't like Rudy Gobert. I really, I really don't like. It's not many players that I just don't like. I try not to dislike players. I don't like Rudy Gobert. Like it's just, I don't know something about him. Not personally. No, let me not act like it's him the person. I don't know the guy, but like him on the basketball court is just. I think it was all the years of him winning Defensive Player of the Years, and and also, come playoff time, him getting hunted. Like to me, that just does like. It doesn't sit right with me. And I, I fully understand that the Jazz teams that he was on, it, he wasn't in the best positions because had no they, he had no good perimeter defenders around him. So I fully get it. But at the end of the day, you're the defensive player of the year. You getting hunted and getting exposed come playoff time, like all the team has to do is go small ball. And now you're comp- – you're a, like it's not the fact that like – right, Let's say he's a defensive player of the year, and then come playoff time, it just drops down to an average defender. You go from defensive player to, to, of the year to a liability on defense. Like that, to me, that just – it never felt right with me, along with the fact that this man cannot catch the ball or make a layup. So it's like all of that – never mind. Take him off my list. Yeah. <laughs> my number nine is Chet Holmgren. <laughs> he's out of here, bro. Get him out of here. I'm sorry. I don't care. Yo. I don't care, bro. Number nine, Chet Holmgren. Rudy Gobert's gone. 
Like I just, bro, it, I can't, bro. Yo. I can't do it. I'm sorry. I just can't do it. I can't do it, bro. This guy is like the stats and the accolades that he has is of like the greatest defensive players ever. And he, I no, he's not. He's just not. I'm sorry. He's gone. <laughs> I Yo. can't do it. So so is Chet. Chet is now number nine on your list. Miles Turner nine. Chet ten. Get 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 go bear out of here, bro. He's done. He's gone. I just took my survivor. I was trying to be nice. I was trying to like be unbiased. Bro, like, you said zero positive things about Gobert. Like, <laughs> dude said I got Gobert at nine. And here's all the reasons why he's one of the worst players. <laughs> Bro, I couldn't think of like I. Right, let me I right, let me stop playing around. Okay, Gobert obviously. <clears throat> He's not a bum. I'm not like I told you. It's a, it's a little bit biased. I can admit that. I can admit when I'm biased for certain things. Um, at the end of the day, he is a, a good rim protector. The teams that he is on, it does help. Like he does elevate the team's defense. Like I'm not gonna say here act like this guy's just a, a flat out bum. Um, but maybe it's just to me. I sometimes I feel like I value versatility a little bit more than rim protection in certain situations. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So the fact that. You could be an elite rim protector, but come playoff time, you are so bad on the perimeter and you're so bad at everything else that, like, that elite rim protection doesn't matter because all teams have to do is go small and then you're completely obsolete. So, like, that part of it is why he's kind of low on this list. And, uh, like I said, along with the fact that you don't give me anything on offense. Like, nothing. Like, I, I've seen this guy miss wide open layups before. Like, he can't give me anything on offense. But, <laughs> yeah, that, you go ahead. You maybe you can talk something good about Rudy Gobert. <laughs> okay, I got, I got Rudy at nine, um, but uh, like all of the drawbacks that you said are all very true. This man got played off the court by Terrence Mann. Terrence Mann effectively eliminated literally a three-time Defensive Player of the Year from being able to play in a playoff series. I went in depth about it before on the podcast. Many people have had their arguments about it in person, on Twitter, whatever, about why the Jazz failed in that series and why they failed as a whole, really that whole era with him and Donovan Mitchell. And again, a lot of that is due to how they played defense. Everything was getting funneled to Rudy Gobert in the paint, but it's not even funneled. It was just like everything got to Rudy Gobert in the paint. Nobody was getting stopped on the perimeter at all. Um, so there's two sides to that coin, but this is, I can't not put Rudy in the top 10 solely for the fact that he is always going to be like any team he's on. I think like the floor immediately is like a top 10 defense. Like it's not going to be any That's worse true. than that. Uh, last season, the wolves were, I think like the 20th best ranked defense in the, the NBA if you exclude garbage time from this past season, that jumped up to eighth. So, okay. granted, like you said, offensively, it definitely got better once they got rid of D'Angelo Russell and Barton Mike Conley. They had had their little pick-and-roll chemistry from Utah that kind of carried over. So, I mean, maybe that carries over again this year. But, like, I think all of that goes out the window because it's the Anthony Edwards show. I don't care what's going on. As long as they <laughs> give him the ball, they'll be all right. Um, mm-hmm. But really, my concern is always going to be with another person that's going to be on this list, which is Cat, because the two of them playing together, the fit still is not there. It honestly kind of hurts the both of them because you end up in a similar position that you were in Utah, where you have an extremely weak perimeter defender who can be attacked. 
And it's not Cat's fault. He was a he was an all star, all NBA center before you traded for Gobert. Like mm-hmm. y'all had one on the roster and then sent five first round picks and a bunch of young talent over to Utah to get another center and put your center who's never played power forward since he's been in the league to have to play with another center who also forces him on the wing. Like he can't play the paint because that's Gobert is historically good at. Like not, not, I'm not even saying historically, like in his career, like historically, like one of the best rim defenders in NBA history. And it's very crazy to say this, but like he's, he's, I think he's going to go to the hall of fame. Like he's, Probably a lot to go to the Hall of Fame, bro. You know the reason why? Another reason why I don't like Gobert. I'm sorry, I'm being so negative, but it's like you're just elite rim protector. All right, you can't go. You can't guard in the perimeter. Cool, you're not versatile. Cool. Are you gonna stop a big for me? Are you gonna like give me some stops? I watch Jokic eat this man's food. Granted, it's Jokic. He's gonna. He destroyed AD. So I'm not sitting here acting like he's supposed to lock him up. But you remember that time years ago when Ben Simmons was mad at Rudy Gobert and he gave him 42 points. Yeah. Like, bro, like, can you at least slow a center down? Can you slow somebody down? Or like, give I, them something on the other end. <laughs> that's what I'm like, bro. That's what I'm like. To me, it just doesn't make sense. Like, my deep hoy can only, like, block shots from people driving to the paint. Like, he can't even, like, really defend well. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. he can't really stop bigs, but then also is a liability in the perimeter. You know, he's off my list, bro. I'm he's good. <laughs> but I'm good, bro. Look, when I look at... People who, have, up here. <laughs> people who have won <laughs> defensive player of the year three or more times. There's only four of them in NBA history. It's Dwight Howard, Rudy Gobert, Dikembe Mutombo, and Ben Wallace. Ben Wallace and Mutombo obviously are already in the Hall of Fame. Um, I'm Mutombo is in the Hall of Fame, right? I'm not tripping. He should um, be if he's not. He should be. Uh, and then Dwight Howard also should be in the Hall of Fame as well. So, like... Gobert is there, and even if you go down to guys who won it twice, it's Kawhi going to be in the Hall of Fame, Alonzo Mourning in the Hall of Fame, Dennis Rodman, pretty sure also in the Hall of Fame, Hakeem in the Hall of Fame. Kawhi won it twice? Yeah. Damn. Um, And then Mark Eaton and City Moncrief, who off the top of my head, I'm not sure about either of them, but both of them are iconic players of their era. So it's like Mm -hmm. that alone is probably going to get Rudy Gobert into the Hall of Fame. Because, love it or hate it, he is a generational rim protector. Ew, man. That's so gross. Like, it, it's sick because it's so true. Like, if you put his accolades and stats on, like, bam, that's a lot, Call of Famer or something. Like, just if his name, if he wasn't Rudy Gobert, just give those accolades mm-hmm. to anyone else. It's a lot, Call of Famer. So, it's just, oh, it's so gross. Uh, it is so gross. I, I just hope that people don't look back, like, 20 years from now and like look back on this era and be like why doesn't people talk more about rudy gobert like look at that stats he's a three-time depot like he's probably the greatest defensive player ever like stop bro all right and then remember he said he would lock up shaq stop it bro stop it he just like he's just (laughs) unlikable bro i'm sorry bro he start he brought covid to the nba that's what what, i'm changing my list brought covid to the league gave donovan mitchell covid like Bro thought it was a game out here touch, touching all the microphones after his <laughs> press conference and really shut the NBA down. Yeah, so Chet for me is number nine because he did not start COVID in the NBA. <laughs> That's all I need. I don't need nothing else. I don't need stats. That's it. Uh, Yeah, look, at the end of the day, 
His offense is it is what it is. All Bro can do is dunk the ball. If it's fed <laughs> to him in the dunker spot, that's it. You're not getting no post moves really. It's no, there's no like zero offensive bag work in any. And then he's over like, here working on form. his threes. You're over here working on your three pointer, bro. You don't, you can't even catch the ball and make a layup. But let's practice <laughs> shooting threes. Oh, I blame Steph. <laughs> Uh yeah, he he also be he be leading the league in um screen assists too. He be up there in screen assists. You know his teammate grade in two K got him. Yeah, I'm about, say, yeah. <laughs> I'm about to say when I think of screen assists, I think of teammate grade. That's what I think. He, he grinding <laughs> them badges. That's, that's <laughs> I'm dead. I'm um, trying to get that rebounding grand bag. That's what he's trying to get. Uh, but yeah, look, that's why I got Rudy at nine. I got him ahead of Miles Turner solely because. Like I said, the, his absolute floor for teams he's on is going to be like a top 10 defense. And, like, that speaks volume just to how good his rim protection is. Great screener, great rim protector, not a good defender in space, like a horrible defender in space, and leaves very little to provide on offense if you're not setting the screen and grabbing offensive rebound or literally catching the ball within arm space of the basket. Literally. That is all he's got. And so from that perspective, fantastic. The problem (laughs) is he keeps getting exposed, and I really do not know if him and Cat can coexist. I don't think so. Like, it, I don't – what we saw from Cat as a four, and, I like, I don't even blame him. You're asking a seven-footer to go – look at who plays the four nightly. In the right, NBA that's now. exactly. It's not these big seven footers anymore. Right, these big slow seven footers. Okay, cat. Here's Katie. <laughs> like what? 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 What can he do? What can he do with that? Like you can't even ask. Like you can't blame him at all. What can he do with that? That's if, not what he was supposed to do. If they match up against the Suns right now, who is Cat guarding? Because go, go, right? it has to be. He, go, can't, he can't guard anyone. What, what's up? Because you want to put all right. You put McDaniel's on uh, Katie. One of them, Some, you can't put them on a guard. Like it's it's not gonna work. <laughs> one of them would have to come off the bench. Seriously, like one of them would legitimately have to come off the bench. There's no, like you said, he cannot guard anyone else but Aiden, and Rudy has to guard Aiden. So it's like one of them is going to have to come off the bench. Right, because you can't put Rudy on someone to be on a, on a perimeter player. Like can you can you imagine Rudy Rudy on Kevin Durant? For Bro, Kevin Durant is going for 70 <laughs> every single game. Oh, my God. And, like, you yeah. could say that about a lot of teams in the league. Same thing with, like, the Celtics at this point. Like, even before like, – let me go to last year before they got Chris Tapps. It's like you got Tatum at the four, Horford at the five. It's like who, who's cat guarding in this situation? Like, like you said, somebody's going to have to come off the bench, and then it's like is your max contract former All-NBA All-Star – homegrown center about to come off the bench or the guy that you traded five first round picks for about to come off the bench it's a lose lose situation yeah and you know who really losing is anthony edwards because it's his time and y'all messing it up they messing up his timeline man that rudy gobert trace set them back bro you see what he doing in with team usa bro he is the guy Steve Kerr said he is undoubtedly the I, guy. I've seen that. I've seen like, that. come on, bro. That's his young MJ right there. Y'all ruining his time, bro. That's all. Matter of fact, good job. Because when he asked y'all to come to the Lakers, yeah. don't look at me. <laughs> don't look at me. Y'all messed it up. When he asked y'all to come to the Lakers, don't only blame yourselves. Oh. So, yeah. 
All right. So I have Chet at nine. My number eight is Brooke Lopez. Okay. So um, so basically, yeah, Brooke Lopez is going to give you elite rim protection, but then also give you <laughs> elite shooting on offense. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That's the third Splash, bro. Splash Mountain right there. Splash Mountain. <laughs> That's such a good name for him because I did not know he owns a house on Disney's property. Like, yeah. He literally yeah. is a Disney fan to the point that he bought a crib at Disney World. <laughs> That's what I would do if I was rich. I'd just be doing stuff. Like, just doing whatever I want if I was rich. How do you even find what? that? Like, you just, you got to have a real estate agent. You're just like, yo, they got anything at Disney? Like, just for sale? Facts. You know how much you got to love Disney to do that? Like, you got to absolutely no love way. Disney. Like, because I would get sick of it. Even if I had kids and they love Disney, nah, bro. I'm not mm. living at Disney <laughs> World. Yeah, that's crazy. But, yeah, um, Brooke Lopez, obviously, him along with him and Giannis, the Bucks are going to be a great defensive team every single year. So that goes into it. But Brooke Lopez is, like you said, like we talked about, he's the bigger body on that team. He's the guy that really clogs stuff up in the paint mm-hmm. and allows Giannis to be that roamer, be that weak side defender or, or help defender. And then, honestly, the main reason why I have him over a guy like Gobert is because, like we said, he's going to give me elite rim protection he's going to be in a deep boy conversations and he's also going to give me great shooting on offense and he's going to give me something on offense right. like people forget brooke lopez really used to be a back to the basket post move back you down center all-time leading scorer in that's history with a with a deep post back and then literally just abandoned and, it <laughs> and yeah right and he did not shoot at all then he's like oh the game is changing let me not get let me not get kicked out of the league right. and let me like evolve. So like all credit to Brooke Lopez in that aspect of evolving his game and prolonging his career basically. Hold on, hold on. Himself to get a bag. Brooke Lopez, this is like Brooke Lopez attempted this is like 28 threes in the first. This is like one, two, three, four, five, six. This is like what eight seasons of his career. And then the very or and then the very next season, this doesn't even look real. 2015-16, he attempted 14 threes. The next season he attempted 387. <laughs> what? How do you how do you all right? That doesn't make sense because it's no gradual like increase. At 34% to almost 35. Like just Brother, flip the switch <laughs> like that, bro. There's no excuse for no for people that's not being able to shoot free throws or like get like a corner three, bro. I'm sorry. Because if Brooke Lovers could just Flipped the switch and out of nowhere next season, you know what? He, he bought the VC. He bought the VC in the off season. He finally he had that. He was just not I, trying to touch the three point attribute. That's what it was. Do say, you know, I shot fourteen last year. I'm getting up three hundred of these things. <laughs> what? That is, how does that? How does that happen? He was with, he was with lethal shooter or something. There's no way. And that There's was that no was way. his last year in Brooklyn. That's crazy. But yeah, shout out to Brook Lopez. Yeah, he got my respect, bro. Because it, it prolonged his career, allowed him to get paid even more. Like mm-hmm. it was, it was a real smart move by him, definitely. Right, D- did all of that, and then coming off of back surgery, arguably is playing some of the best impactful basketball of his career. Like you said already, like the rim protection is elite. He off of back surgery, he put up the most blocks per game he has in his career at age. Back surgery at age 34. Like, these are, it's like a death sentence for an NBA player. That's the end of your mm-hmm. career. A seven footer at that. Right. And came back and had a defensive player of the year finalist season. Um, hands down is probably a top three drop coverage defender. 
um, yeah. in the NBA. He plays that so well. And again, that goes hand in hand with Giannis being able to be the help roamer as he is. is they have so much confidence, especially in him and Drew playing any type of screen actions um, because of how aggressive Drew is on the ball and how much they know that Brook Lopez can cover them on the backside as that drop you know, defender there. So um, he's almost like in terms of overall impact, I would say he's like Miles Turner, just like a little bit like not literally. Yeah, um, literally. Again, I think he just he, he's provides more on the defensive end from a like I said the drop coverage, which is like what Boonholzer loved to play all all his time in Milwaukee. Um, did that at an extremely elite level. Has the blocks to show for it, as well as just the general uh, rim deterrent stats. Um, the defensive rating is always going to be high because you have him and Giannis and Drew playing at the same time. So obviously he benefits from that. I'm not going to take that away from him. Um, and then, like you said, he's giving you 16 a night. I'm like 37, 38% from three. Like he is splash mountain. <laughs> he literally is a seven foot elite rim protector who can really strap up. <laughs> like, um, he's the perfect. That's why when we always did those like drafts and we're drafting a role player and I'm looking for a center, I'm like, bro, Brooke Lopez is the perfect role playing center. Yep. Like, what what more can I ask? Like, like yeah, like we just said the same thing with Miles Turner. He's literally just an upgraded version of that. Yeah. So he he's got it, and he uh, they're very lucky to have kept him in Milwaukee because on top of all that, like, could you think like, is there a better big to pair with Giannis? Because, like, there's very Not limited better. number, like, right? Like, you maybe could fit, like, him, Miles Turner, Miles Turner <laughs> and then, like, you're getting to, like, crazy good people, like, Jokic, Cal. You have to pair another star who's, like, so yeah. versatile that they could pull it off, you know? Um, mm. So, it's like... Him and Cat wouldn't be bad. Right, because you, you just need, like, this, the, the spacing. Um, yeah. But it's, like, of the handful of guys that, like, they could really work, they got one of the best ones in arguably the best defender out of that group too um so brooke lopez is like you said he definitely revived his career by going and (laughs) turning that switch on to to get to the three ball so we both have him at eight i am certain now that the list is about to change from this point forward because well i guess we already have the difference because you took gobert out um but but who do you have who do you have at, at seven on your list um, at seven, I have Nick Claxton. Dang, um, I got Nick Claxton at seven too. Bro, it's like, it's just, honestly, the only reason why I have him at seven is because he's more, like I said, he's more versatile than I feel like the guys below him. He's and crazy more versatile though. Like, th- that's what I'm saying. It's a big leap. Honestly, if I'm being completely honest with you, I was thinking about putting six, but I just felt like, the guy at six, spoiler alert, just made an all NBA. That would have been kind of crazy. Yeah. But I mean, if I'm looking for if I'm thinking about what do I want from my center, the guy at six doesn't give me I'll talk more about him later, but it doesn't really give me what me personally what I would want from my center. Okay. Unless you're Jokic. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So but like Nick Claxton, I just feel like like I said, the only reason why I put him ahead of the guys below him is because he's way more versatile than those guys, mm-hmm. which versatility is key i feel like as far as defensively in, in the nba in general i just feel like being versatile and being able to split to defend different players being able to defend different positions is way more i'd say it's a 
I'd say it's slightly more important than just flat out rim protection, in my opinion. So, um, yeah, that's why I have Nick Claxton at seven over some of these other guys. I'm about to throw a lot of stats out really quick because I am, I think Nick Claxton, like I'm looking at this list when I think of the best defenders, he might really be the third best defender on this list, third best defensive center in the NBA. And he's also, he, he's what, like 22, 24, 24. Um, but in terms of defensive field goal percentage on all two pointers, he was third in the league, only behind Chris Stapps and then Jaron, who obviously won defensive player of the year. He had this, he was tied for um, the second best defensive field goal percentage um, in the league among centers um, with Jaron, who the NBA has classified as like forward and center, but again, tied with the defensive player of the year in that stat as well. He also only had 10 less combined steals and blocks than Jaron Jackson did. He was clear, they both, he was clearly second. Like it was a big gap between two and three. Um, and like you said about versatility, um, the NBA will track isolation plays as well. He defended 202 isos. Again, this is based on NBA's tracking stats, which is a little bit different than like second spectrum or some of the other people that do some of the other advanced analytics with cameras. Um, but based on the NBA's data, right, he defended 202 isolations, which is 50 more than the next closest player in the league and only gave up 0.79 points per possession, which is the third most in the NBA amongst, I think among centers. So like, and the next closest guy I think was like Al Horford, like I said, at like 150. So defended 50 more isolations than him and was giving up less than a point per possession. Um, Damn. (laughs) And a lot of this, like before the KD trade happened and they like KD and Kyrie trade, like he mm-hmm. was in defensive player of the year talks for mm-hmm. this reason. Um, and like even just at his raw counting stats, like a steal a night and two and a half blocks. And he had the moments too, if you care about that. Like he was going at it with Embiid in the regular season. Um, and when I'm thinking about next year, right, like he was this good on defense and his team got significantly better defensively around him. Like they went, not necessarily that saying that like the people that were there, like particularly in like Katie and Kyrie are like these horrible defenders. It's like, more about who they brought in. Right. Like you cool. went from Katie and Kyrie to now you have Mikel Bridges, Dorian Finney-Smith and Cam Johnson all out there as perimeter defenders. And we already just talked about how you are versatile. Like there's, it's not like a, unwilling switch like if Nick Claxton gets out on an island like you live with that you might be okay with it like mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. trust him and his athleticism but also know that he has a recovery to get to the rim if somebody gets past him and can test shots get blocks from behind um I think Nick Claxton is going to be a perennial all defensive guy like could be a like if he plays you know like 15 seasons might finish with like seven eight nine all defensive teams. Like, I really think he can be that good on the defensive side of the ball um, while also being, again, like a quality screen and roll player um, and has the athleticism that he utilizes on the defensive end to also be, you know, a good finisher on the offensive side of the ball as well. So 
I think Nick Claxton is going to have probably an even better defensive season um, this upcoming year with the better total team Nets defense around him. So I'm really, really high on Nick Claxton. Like you, I think I try. I really wrestled with putting him up higher, but like it, it felt too crazy to put him above any of the people in front of him. But Nick Claxton is like that defensively, and like he's going to be in deep boy talks for years to come. He is legitimately that good. If y'all did not watch Nick Claxton or the Nets last year, even after, you know, like with the KD and Kyrie trades, like tune into a couple of Nets games this year and just watch how he moves on the defensive side of the ball, not just as a rim protector, like watch him in space. If he gets switched onto a guard or a wing, like he's very comfortable using his length and athleticism out there. So uh, I'll surprise you had him that high too. I didn't know if you, if you were hit, but. Well, yeah. No, nah, I knew he because I'm just saying, like I said, and I, I guess this is going to turn to its own question. Like, I like versatility on defense. Like, that's why I like Bam. I just didn't like the fact that he wasn't aggressive offensively. Mm-hmm. But defensively, like, he, I, I love Bam. You know what I mean? Just because it's one thing to be a, re, uh, a just a good rim protector. We just talked about it with Rudy Gobert. You could be an elite rim protector, but if, if we can get you in a switch and you're just done – or, like, they can get you on an island and you're just done. Or it's like you can't guard literally anybody who knows how to dribble at all. Like, you're just done for. Like, Anthony Davis, I'd say I'd say Bam is more versatile than Anthony Davis as far as being, being able to guard the perimeter. But Anthony Davis, if he gets switched onto a guard or onto a wing or whatever, he can hold his own, right. his own for a center. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, like, Nick Claxton, he can do that in an elite level. Like, he's going to be fine on the perimeter. Right. You know what I mean? So, that's the only reason why because – we talked about it with Brooke Lopez. I, I, it was between, like, I thought about it with Brooke real quick, but then I was like, I, right, I like the versatility with Nick Claxton, and then with the guy at number six, which is Sabonis. I'll just bring it up now. I just, um, I don't know, just the fact that he made All NBA, it would have been, it would have been a little bit too tough. Yeah, it would no way too tough. But um, what, what I was gonna ask you, are like, are you in the same boat with me? Like, do you like, do you value versatility more than rim protection? Um, I think if you can really be that versatile, like to the guys on this list who are super versatile like that with guys like Nick Claxton or Bam or AD, like that I do value just more than pure rim protection. Even if you're not as good of a rim protector, like Bam is not the same level as rim protector, some of the guys that we already list, but like his versatility and his just full on defensive impact to me is like, like so far ahead of some of those guys who are phenomenal defenders he just is really that good and is to like what like a top at worst like a top five defender in the league but like I probably would put him higher than that um so yeah I think if if you're really that versatile then like I don't even care if you're an average room protector because that that just gives your defense so many more options and like can bail you out of so many more situations versus if you have a guy like Rudy who is like, if we have to switch this, like it's a bucket. Like you just, you're just giving up yeah. points. Mm-hmm. So, all right, yeah. But yeah, makes sense. T- talk about talk about Sabonis at six. So yeah, I I have Sabonis six. Um, now Sabonis, his case is a little bit interesting because yes, he just made um. What was it third team all third team all NBA? Um, he was just was an all star, also a starter, I believe. Like he had a really good regular season, mm-hmm. but like we've seen in the playoff time, the the way he plays, I feel like doesn't translate the best 
in the postseason. Like, mm-hmm. he's not a great shooter. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to say that. I mean, at least in the playoffs, he wasn't a great shooter. So, he, he wasn't even a willing shooter. Like, he was, like, passing the shots up. Yeah, like, he didn't shoot them. Like, they were sagging off of him. Like, completely. Kawhi Mooney like, is in open. the paint. He's standing yeah. at the mid-range wide open and, like, looking around to do a dribble handoff. Right. So, the, just the way I see it, if you're not going to space the floor offensively and then you're also not going to be a great defender, what are you really giving me? Because... I mean, I understand he can post up, he can get his like his tough buckets, but come playoff time, like we've seen, that kind of got neutralized. So it's like, at what like what are you really giving me? You know what I mean? Like his, his just his game didn't really translate well in the postseason, and it kind of got exposed a little bit in that Warrior series. So I like I understand he made All NBA, but like I just it was no way I could put him any higher, especially with the guy I had at five, just because I went I, I thought about it for a second, but. At least come postseason, the guy I have at five will give me something offensively, and they're both they're both giving me nothing on defense. So at least like let me get the guy that can give me something on offense or at least space the floor if that makes any sense. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, I have him at number six, but I, there's no way I could put him any higher than that. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure we have our five and six flipped because my number six is Cat. Yeah, um, and if we were just talking. Purely in a vacuum, pick a player. I would take Carl Anthony Towns over Sabonis. Like the talent level is, I would say, like a good step higher. Like Cat is one of the best offensive bigs we've ever seen. Like defense, like I said, is leaves a lot to be desired, but Sabonis also is not this fantastic defender either. Exactly. Um, definitely not from a rim protection standpoint. But I only have Cat behind him for a lot of the same reasons why I talked about with Gobert. I don't like the fit between the two of them. I think that puts Cat in a very bad spot to have to be a, like a negative on defense. Like where if he was just playing the five by himself, like he could hold his own and like what he's giving on the offensive end could negate if he was even being a negative defender or just if he could just be a decent defender. It's like you're now asking him to guard on the perimeter if Gobert is on the court. It's where it's like that's so out of his – like what he's really cap- – you're asking him to do something he's right. not capable of doing, which is really unfair to him. But mm-hmm. like how we're ranking them is, again, like basing how they're going to perform into next season. And like as long as Rudy Gobert is there, I think they're capping what Cat's performance can be. It's like you're limiting – his options as a big by playing him against a big who is so limited on both sides of the floor. Like he can only do very particular things on the defensive side and the offensive side, which means that cat is always forced to play on the perimeter on both sides of the ball. Um, uh, On top of the fact that like both of these guys like Sabonis and cat have had their issues in the playoffs as well. Like we can't overlook Carl Anthony Towns, continued foul trouble in the postseason yeah um, that was so weird I, that i don't know that part never made sense to me and it be, it's the dumbest fouls like it's the Stupid fouls that fouls. like the commentators like after it happened is like you can't do that and it's like yeah bro like how many times is this going to happen in multiple playoff games that you have to realize like you're too valuable you carry too much of the weight of this team's offense to be fouling out consistently 
he did, bro, he was in the playing game with the Lakers, killing us. Like he was playing great. Foul trouble, foul trouble. And after every foul, he's I don't know what happened. Like you like, didn't bro, just you, hack somebody. You just smacked this guy in the face. Like, right. what are you talking about? And it's just dumb fouls. Like to me, that just that don't make sense. Right. It's, it's so stupid. So the the both of them definitely have, have had their struggles in the playoffs. You know, you just highlighted a lot about um Sabonis' struggles in the, you know, this the first round series. Uh, last year against Golden State, the inability to take the shots, as well as just even when he did shoot them, was not shooting them at a good percentage. Um, so the both of them have their playoff struggles, but I'm giving Sabonis the edge almost purely because Cat is in such a bad situation. Okay, that makes sense. I because I looked at it from just like I'd just rather have Cat, but not the way you explain it makes a lot of sense. Last, so. If if we were just looking purely off talent, like this was like a you know a draft, put a team together, whatever. Like no, I'm right. taking Cat over Sabonis probably ten times out of ten. Mm-hmm. That's again just off of the talent, but he's he's getting held back. Bro. He's getting held back by that fit, and it's crazy because like not to go too off topic, but like. I really think the Timberwolves are still going to make it work, and that's going to be so much off of the back of Anthony Edwards. But mm-hmm. this whole time in this whole season, I'm always going to imagine what it would be like if they just did not trade for Gobert and just, like, kept their picks. Imagine if they just <clears throat> natively drafted Walker Kessler. Yeah. Instead of giving up all his picks for Gobert, and then you could move Walker and picks for whatever. Like, it's just within so many different options for them now that they see that Anthony Edwards literally is, like, on a crazy superstar trajectory, and it's not like years away. It could be here now. Mm-hmm. It's like now y'all, y'all's hands are tied to this, it, to really this three-center room too when you include Nas Reed, who also would fit so much better next to Carl Anthony Towns than Rudy Gobert, but you can't not play the man you paid or you traded five first-round picks and are given you know a nine-figure contract to. And he's untradeable. Like, you can't trade that. You cannot trade Rudy Gobert. You yeah. gave up too much, and you're not going to get nearly the same amount of compensation that you gave for it. All right. So, whoever, whatever Danny Ainge was doing and talking to the Timberwolves GM about, like, basically just baited him crazy. <laughs> like, <okay. laughs> acting like he, they were blowing his phone up for Rudy so that they would overpay. That is, I really think it's going to go down as one of the craziest fleeces in NBA history, like, bro, five first-round picks, and one season later, we are talking about you cannot start him in your next – your you can't start him and the second-best player on your roster at the same time. And then the Jazz get his replacement. Right. <laughs> in the right. first year, Walker Kessler, as a rookie, has more blocks. It's crazy, bro. That trade is so dumb, bro. It's, it's it, it, those the, those are the funniest trades. Like when it happens in the moment, everyone's like, "Bro, what are y'all doing?" Like, how can I? I'm not an NFL GM. How can I know in the moment that that's a stupid trade, along with everybody else, and it still goes down, and you still do it? Like to me, that doesn't make it, sense. It really felt like a panic move. Like they get into the series with the Grizzlies. They, I, I don't even want to necessarily say they honestly could have won the series because both teams had opportunities to win the series and it just was like who's gonna who's gonna blow it because <laughs> like yeah, y'all, they were, y'all were going yeah, back and teams. forth for wild runs blowing leads and just so happened that the wolves lost and it felt like they saw how close they were and were like we got to make the move now and just went out and got go bear when it's like 
if but y'all would have just let move. it, if y'all would have just let it be, that bro, y'all could have just left the roster as is. And Anthony Edwards would be the same players he's about to come into the season as, and that's probably a better team, bro. Yeah, but who know? Like, and it's like, bro, if y'all was gonna make a move, you could have just waited. Like, who knows what could have happened? Let's just say Katie asked out. You never make the Rudy Gobert trade. Katie asked out. You have all them picks. You possibly could pair Anthony Edwards and KD. Like, right. bro, you just like the the move was never. Even if you were a piece away, like they were like legitimately like, if we get another superstar, we're gonna win the championship. That move was never Rudy Gobert. He was never the piece. He's not the piece for anybody. Like, like genuinely, what team right now is the perfect situation for Rudy Gobert? Like right now, like, um, <laughs> like I I can't think of one right now off the top of my head. Uh, he, I, I'm literally, to, I'm just trying to think of teams that have four players who can all speak to the floor. <laughs> That's all you like, just facing. Uh, like Boston, but like, <laughs> why? That's what I'm like, but it doesn't make sense. There's no team where it makes sense. The, the Warriors? I don't know. Like, just take away like money, take away all that stuff. Like, I just, I don't know. I don't know a team that makes sense. Like the only thing yeah. I'm thinking is the Warriors. Like that's it, just because they're already small. They got some shooting. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure. The, I'm sure the Suns would rather have Gobert and Aiden. They need defense. I don't know. Hey, Aiden been working for the the Bahamas team in FIBA. Him, and, him and Buddy Hield, and I know Eric Gordon played for the Bahama team too. He been he been working. So I saw him. Yeah, I saw him get that dunk. That's DeAndre Aiden was like. Team leader, like stepping up, like nah, don't quit, don't quit. So I better see this same energy this year, bro. <laughs> Facts. Yeah, that's crazy. But uh, all right. So so I got some bonus six mm-hmm. and cat five. You got cat six and bonus five. Um, I think the these one through four is we're probably gonna have the it's same. It's probably gonna be the same, but there's still a lot to talk about. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I got at, you. I got at you. four, I'm assuming we probably both have Bam. Yep, 100. percent I, bro, wholeheartedly wish there was a way I could, like, really logically find a way to get him higher on this list. Because in terms of overall impact, to me, what I saw from him this past postseason run, it is in the same tier as, like, let me not say the same tier as AD, but it is not that far off, bro. You're saying what Bam's impact to the Heat specifically versus yes. AD's impact to the Lakers specifically. Right. Like the, like you said, his biggest knock was always the defensive impact is like always there as an undersized guy is really manning, you know, the heart and soul of that defense. But it always just the inconsistency on the offensive side of the ball. This playoff run, he really was stepping up like just the just the aggression on the offensive side of the ball, and then especially on the nights where he was getting aggressive and the shots were falling, like he was looking. I mean, like again, the defense is always going to be there, but he, at, overall, as a player, he looked elite. Like, and there were moments where he was the best player for the Heat, not Jimmy Butler, throughout their playoff run because of the impact that he was providing on both sides of the ball. Don't so, don't forget too. He was he was facilitating a lot as well. Like it wasn't yes. just his scoring. Like he was getting the like he was finding cutters. He was finding shooters. Like he was like 
commanding the offense, like on the offensive side of the ball. So it wasn't just his scoring either. So he he had a, a really good playoff run. And this playoff run specifically, like you said, it just made me look at him in a different light because he's all he always was like inconsistent offensively. It always was like, or it mainly was the fact that he wasn't aggressive. That's really what that's yeah. He, just, he would he really, wasn't being aggressive. He would finish games with like single digit shot attempts, and it's like that, bro. That can't happen on a team like this, bro. Like right. you have to be a part of it. And when he was needed to step up many different times in the postseason, we saw that from him. And even in just his raw counting stats this year, like this was the first year that he put up over twenty a night um, with nine rebounds, three assists, um, and a steal and a block. He might – him and AD, I think, are right there with each other in terms of versatility. I think Anthony Davis probably edges him out solely because of his rim protection. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but like we touched on earlier in terms of how much versatility matters, especially in today's NBA, Bam is like – almost the blueprint, like, for what you would want out of a versatile mm-hmm. big. And, like, the fact that he's doing all of this at 6'9", like, I, he is so much better than I feel like some people give him credit for. Um, and I know it's because he hasn't won a defensive player of the year yet. I, I don't know if he never even necessarily ever will, like – because we keep talking, like, even as we've gone through some of these lists, like, there's so many different guys that I've listed as, like, they're going to be perennial all-defensive guys. Like, a lot of those guys are going to win Defensive Player of the Year awards. Like, I don't know. A band might, could very possibly go his whole career just not get one, even though he's been closing in that conversation every single year. But that speaks to how much of an impact he has, even though his counting stats, like just the raw counting stats, are not that crazy. Like, less than a block a game, one seal a game is not, like, crazy like oh my gosh jaron jackson is giving you three blocks a night but it's like if you watch them play watch it. right mm-hmm. if you watch them play how much he does um at all three levels of the court on the defensive side of the ball um is is special and he's one of the best in the league um at being that versatile on the defensive side of the ball so i just the gap between him and ad like ad i think is still above him but it is not as far as I feel like it may seem to some people. I just think 80s, uh, like the reason why I think people view it, view that gap being so large is because 80 ceiling is so much higher offensively. At least. Yeah. Like 80's yeah. ceiling is like, there's nights when he's really on and he's aggressive and the, the middies falling, the jumpers falling. Like he looks like the best player on the planet some nights. Like Bam, even when he's playing his best, he never looks like the best player on the planet. So like AD ceiling is just a little bit or is a lot higher offensively. That's why I feel like people think that the gap is so large. But I definitely see what you're saying because especially in this last this postseason run, I mean they're both second options on the team. So it's not like they have one has way more opportunity than the other. It's mm-hmm. so like they both had a great impact on their respective teams and like. I mean, Bam's team made it to the finals. 80s team, they made it far. Like, bro, like, it's it's close as far as just straight up impact. It definitely is close, for sure. So, um, so yeah, this uh one through three is probably all the same. But right. We can talk about it a little bit because I got 83. Uh, should have been 82. Let, let's talk about that. <laughs> I've I've been waiting all episode to get to this exact spot in the list because 
look, I'm, I'm gonna let y'all know right now. We don't got nothing to say about Jokic. If y'all want to hear about yeah. Jokic, go back, yeah. go back to when we were doing episodes as the postseason was going on. That'll tell you all you need to know about Jokic. He's a mm. top, almost he might be a top 15 player all time right now. You don't gotta say yeah. much more. Y'all know what Jokic is. But let's talk about Joel and B. <laughs> because I, as I literally have it here on this list, I said three. Anthony Davis, two, Joel Embiid, and in all caps next to it, it says Bear Lee. <laughs> Bear Lee, bro. Cause I they're talking about it today on first take, doing the whole, you know, what's going on with James Harden and the Sixers. How much of this can Embiid take? And as I'm watching it, I'm like, again, bro, when are we like gonna point the finger? at the guy who's been on all these teams with all this talent and they just can't get over the hump, bro. Like at some point to continue and like injuries, I get it. I understand, bro. But like, look, like I, I, I'm never going to have to feel like need the need to point to anything else other than game six against the Boston series. I feel like sums it up so well when it's all right there for you. What did we see from Joel Embiid and James Harden? It take James Harden out. What do we see from Joel Embiid? When it, the game is re- the chance to go to the conference finals, to be the only MVP who's never made it to the conference finals, to finally get that scrubbed off, even though you finally got, you know, you just got your MVP, but now they're going to hold that over your head for a whole other year because you couldn't get it done. You could have wiped that all away in five minutes and you didn't score the basketball in a game where Jason Tatum could not put the ball in the hoop for 44 of the 48 minutes. He didn't even look like he wanted the basketball, let alone scoring the basketball. I, I, I can't. So, I, AD, AD, or Embiid is at two, and when I tell you, like, bro, if y'all, y'all can't see me if y'all are listening, but it is like so close, so close to being the other way around, because, I, bro, the playoff production when we are at this, like. At this point, like, this is just the center's list, but all three of these guys are, like, some of the top players in the league. So, like, y'all are on a different – y'all are getting graded differently than some mm-hmm. of the other people on this list, right? So, if you're going to be that good, in the regular season, you put up 33 points a game, 10 rebounds, like, almost two blocks, a steal a night, great. You cannot go into the postseason and have these performances year in and year out, bro. It cannot happen. 20 yeah. points. And they, all right, the first series, he got like doubled like crazy um, against the Nets. So that was a sweep anyway. We saw what happened in the Boston series. Like, this, it, it cannot happen. And it's continually happened every single year. They like sputter out in the second round. And you can't say it's about talent. You can't say it's about health of the people around him because they've been there. The injury issues have been with him for the most part. But even when he has been on the court, at the end of the day, if you're on the court, bro, like I have to like grade what I'm what I'm seeing. And I'm not seeing a guy right now that looks like on paper can get his team to the conference finals, bro. He's a... Uh... These foul baiting guys scare me, man. I don't know about what it is about these foul baiting guys when it comes playoff time. Like they just kind of disappear. But I will say I'll defend and, and beat a little bit just because it is comparing Anthony Davis 
10 bead, which is tough because just the way I see it, Embiid is the number one. Anthony Davis, we already know, is the number two. And, and I mean, if we're talking about consistency and like showing up, Anthony Davis isn't the great at that <laughs> offensively either. So it's Look, like both of those are very, very tough. fair points, and that has to go into it too. Because yeah. I can't be talking just about Embiid not showing up in the playoffs and AD this past playoffs is going like 30 points, 10 points, 40 points, 12 right. points. Like, you know what I mean? And it's it's got to be fair easy. both ways. And it's a lot easier to do that when you have your number one with you that can be consistent. Like, but I just watched old ass Bron score 40 and Anthony Davis is like, you got it, bro. Like, he just didn't show up and we still get swept. So it's like, it's a little bit tough. Comparing a one to a two, but yeah, I mean, Embiid, we've talked about it plenty of times on this podcast, man. It's just like the fact that, you know, you're an MVP, like you play at such this high level in the regular season and come postseason, it just, all that just disappears. It's insane. And then like the drop off is crazy. Like it goes from like averaging 33 points to 23 points, like a 10 point drop off come postseason. Mm -hmm is ridiculous like there's no justifying that it's ridiculous and it's like the people that want to bring up injuries that that's what do you want me to do he, he keeps getting injured like right. what do you want me to do that's part of it jimmy was there like ben physically was there for, like, <laughs> for, a, while. for a while james harden was there it's like like i'm saying bro Jokic's teammates the one time, the very first opportunity that he got healthy, or that their whole team was healthy, they smoked the entire league and won the NBA championship. The first chance it happened, the first time that Compazzo wasn't his starting mm -hmm. point guard in the playoffs, and he got Jamal Murray and had AG and Michael Porter Jr. healthy, they win a championship. Those opportunities can't get squandered. Bro has had so much talent around him and has not even sniffed the conference finals yet. Yeah, bro. It's 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 not acceptable. And honestly, yeah, AD is the second option. But even when you go back to his last years when he was the guy in New Orleans, like he's never had the same kind of yeah, talent no. around him that um, um, and he did. Yeah, yeah. And those and teams, drop, and those drop teams got bad. just as far. The second round of the playoffs. That part is true. Listen, I'm, I'm listen. This is music to my ears. I love AD. So like, I ain't gonna, you ain't gonna get too much pushback from me. But and I, bro, I, bro, I still at this, I can say all this and still like, like Embiid. I think yeah. the foul ban goes too far. But bro, I, you know, how I used to play on two K post player. Like, <laughs> I, I love watching people work out of the post. But at the same time, bro, like I have to be real. It cannot get, be regarded in the same echelon as these people. Again, when we're getting to this top player tier, like, and you have the opportunity to have postseason success, and it continually doesn't happen when everything is in your favor. Like, you have the team around you. In a lot of these cases, you have the better matchup. You'll have the yeah. series lead. You're against a team that you're just clearly on paper better than. It's happened too many times, bro. It's happened yeah. too many times. That I say that's the biggest thing too, because when you bring up the Anthony Davis Pelicans years, it's like he was on the team that was supposed to lose regardless, and he was still playing well. Like he, his drop offs was never as bad as Joel Embiid's. 
And it's like, even just looking at the games, like when you watch Joel and me in the regular season, like I'm looking at this guy like, wow, like he really might be the best player in the league. And like just the way he plays, like he doesn't look like that in the postseason. Even if the numbers end up being like, oh, 30 and 10 this night, like it doesn't have that same impact. Like he is dominating regular season games. I don't really feel that same way about postseason games, at least not on a consistent enough basis for the level of player that you are being like an MVP being supposed to be a top, what three player in the league. Like it, it just, it's not consistent enough. And the fact that, like you said, he's been on teams where they were supposed to win. Like that series against the Hawks was like, there's no excuse for that, bro. I'm sorry. Like you, y'all were supposed to beat that Hawks team. There's no way y'all lose to that Hawks team at all. Like I get it. Ben Simmons was a big, uh, big problem, but, you're Joel and me, bro. Right. Like, you're supposed to be that guy. When we're getting to this tier of player, there are people who really just put the team on their back and they just get the job done. I watched right. Kawhi Leonard run through the whole NBA playoffs leading that Raptors team. I watched Dirk run through one of the toughest playoff runs in NBA history. His team wasn't slouches. But he ain't have no star with him. How many stars mm-hmm. has you played with? How many NBA 75 players has Embiid played with, bro, and it has not made the conference finals? Like, come on. The bar isn't even championship at this point. It's literally the third round. Finals, bro. <laughs> I need eight wins in the playoffs. That's it. Halfway there. That's all we're asking for, bro. Like, like I said, it's, you have to get this nitpicky when we're talking about people at this level um and with Embiid like you said in the regular season he's gonna like he can anchor an elite defense and also put up the most points tonight in the NBA fantastic bro that's great you got the MVP this year for it I think it was deserved whether you other people do or don't whatever like at worst he's in the conversation to be a top three he's MVP finalist and I, I can't imagine anybody having him lower than that. I think he deserved the MVP this year at the time before all the Kendrick Perkins wildness. Mm-hmm. My I issue, too, yeah. right? My issue lies with the postseason, and not just this past postseason. <laughs> all the postseasons, bro. Mm-hmm. Every single one of them. Um, so, because look, AD's like I said, his last season that he was fully healthy in New Orleans. He ended up getting bounced in five in the second round to KD Warrior team that ended up winning the championship that year. And then the next year was the year where he was like hurt towards the end of the year. The Pelicans weren't that good. And then he had to come back and play and still like not wanting to be on the team was putting up like 30 points a night. So it's like AD, like you said, has the talent. And that's part of why he was put over a guy like Bam because the ceiling, I think, is that much higher on the offensive side of the ball because – you even saw it this past year um, in the series against Denver. Like, he was trying to go. He put up 40 against Jokic. It just wasn't enough, bro. Like, which that's all we'll say about Jokic. That speaks to Jokic, yeah, right? Like, exactly. <laughs> um, but the talent is there. And defensively, as good as, as Embiid is defensively, like AD is an all-time defensive talent to ever play in the league. Um just off of his, like you said, the rim protection and the versatility out of his his skill set to be switchable. Um, so I just, my, I'm I'm done with the rant on Embiid. We both got Embiid two and AD three. 
y'all just don't listen at home. <laughs> it's 2A, 2B. <laughs> I don't even want to really say it's 2-3 because Brumbeat is on thin ice. I like the at some point where the regular season has got to translate to postseason success. And it would be one thing if 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 every single series he was in, it's like we know we get from Embiid. He just can't get the guys around him. It's like, no, you got the people around you. Like it can't happen this many times, and we always are pointing to blame at other people. And who can we pair with Embiid? Like, bro, if it's, right. if it's happened, it's twenty twenty three. Like this is starting from like twenty eighteen. We're like five six playoff years deep now. Facts. We can't just the blame can't get. get keep getting put everywhere else but him like we've got to have that conversation and that doesn't necessarily have to take away from his mvp season because the mvp is a regular season award i don't like yeah i don't like that part either it's like bro all these people was like yeah give it to mb give it an mb they have a flame out in the postseason he never deserved it in the first place like he can deserve it and then still flame out in the postseason right like, like that but both of those things can be true right so Eighty-three, uh, and B two, Jokic one, um, and that is it. We have now officially ranked all five positions. And what is that? The top, the top player at each position is what uh, Steph, D book at the two. We both had, I think, at Tatum at the three. Tatum, and then Giannis, Giannis, Giannis. Jokic. That team is disgusting. That team is gross. <laughs> Next up, top ten head coaches in the Yo. NBA. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're gonna do GMs, then owners, then mascots, ticket salesmen. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's go ahead then and, and transition and get off this Embiid rant really quick because we could do this for another hour. To be honest with you, um, and let's talk about the NBA schedule release, um, which ha- came out I think last week. Um, definitely since we last recorded um, on opening night, they've got two marquee matchups. The first game is. Um, the the Lakers at the Nuggets. Um, so a rematch of the Western Conference Finals, and then the late game. What they ass? It's Billy. It's up. I'm telling you. It's, it's, listen, we fresh now. We coming, bro. We gonna spoil their ring night. It's over. Yeah, that is the ring ceremony it's, night too. We gonna spoil their ring night. night. You know, because they can't, bro. They can't do nothing without the Lakers involved. Because all I see is all all this off season. Oh my God! Remember the Lakers? Remember when we did this to the Lakers? That's all I see from Nuggets fans. Do y'all know y'all played the Heat in the finals? Why does the Lakers come up so much? Why? I just don't get it. Enjoy your championship <laughs> and just leave us alone. God damn! From a Nuggets fan perspective, they could say the same thing. Why are they talk? The Lakers was getting talked about when the Nuggets was in the finals. Like the Lakers didn't just because we the Lakers, we just better. We just more lit than y'all. Like you can't get mad at us. Better, better we or? LA. Huh? Better, better aura, aura, bro. That's just what it is. Like you can't be yeah in Denver, bro. No disrespect. No disrespect. Chill, chill on like, Denver, bro. That's a lit city. I'm just. It's not bad. It ain't L.A. I, I'm just. L.A. Saying. price is crazy. I'm good. I ain't gonna lie. I'm gassing because I don't even like L.A. When I went to L.A., it was that's overrated. But L.A. I'm was just saying crazy. L.A.'s overrated. I'm gonna be honest with you. Two thousand dollars get you a crib in Texas. Two thousand dollars get you a studio. A studio, bare, yeah. <laughs> run down, water don't work, hole in the ceiling. <laughs> you don't got a window. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but now we gonna we gonna we winning that night, bro. What's up? I'm telling you. I got twenty on Denver. I got twenty. I bet. Lock. <laughs> we lock. We lock. Denver. We lock. Uh, and then the nightcap is the uh, Warriors in Phoenix. 
That's going to be a good one. They not slick for putting CP against his old team opening night. He going to start? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just asking. Is he going to start? Hey, I ain't the coach. (laughs) (laughs) That that interview was too funny, bro. Hey, that is is sick. Um, We already talked about the end season tournament a little bit, so we'll skip through that. But um, I'm excited for those matchups as well. Um, and then we do have where's the Christmas Day games? Or let's do Rivals Week first, which they did last year. Um, and they have some good matchups, so they're bringing it back for the second season. Um, they have some of the the obvious ones here. You got the battle for New York with the Knicks and the Nets. You got the battle for LA with the Lakers and the Clippers. Um, the Thunder and the Spurs are up here, which I'm assuming is just a Chet Wemby thing. I was about um, to say, what is that? But okay, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, that makes I, I like that. I think that would be cool. Um, they had to have Suns ah, Mavs. Yeah. So I like that. Um, they got Celtics Heat, which makes sense. They always in the ECF. They got Kings Warriors. I like that too. Oof. They got Mavs Hawks, which I think people I saw were kind of confused Trey. at first, but like, yeah, shouldn't that make sense? Like Luca Trade, they're always gonna be linked. Um, so that makes sense. I don't understand the Trailblazers Spurs one other than I'm assuming it's a scoot Wemby thing, but like they're not really. I feel like we it feel like they're reaching when how is in this entire rival week, how is there no Lakers Celtics? The NBA rival. Like the forget the NBA. That is like one of the best rivalries in sports, period. I don't know. That that rivalry is kind of people. I don't know. People don't really give talk about that rivalry anymore as much as they used to. Because it's like, like you said, like, I mean, obviously, like, we can see how they put it here. Like, Lakers rival now just feels like the Clippers because the Clippers are, like, a better team now. But, like, bro, any real Lakers fans would tell you, like, bro, that Lakers-Celtics rivalry, like, yeah, it was, it was a bloodbath. Like, every single time we played them, right. like, it was up. But, like, now, I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't seem like it holds that same weight. And you've got both, like, both of them are very good teams. Like, it's not like one of them is bad or rebuilding or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. both of them are in championship contention. Like, I feel like it just made would have made sense to have that on there. But, again, like you said, the Clippers-Lakers rivalry makes sense. And then, obviously, they're going to always book Steph versus LeBron. Like, that's just... I understand it from a ratings perspective. Like that's always going to draw more viewers, even though the Lakers Celtics rivalry may be bigger. Like that's just box office names. Um, They've got Sixers nuggets up here for the Embiid Jokic. Good. (laughs) Um, And then they got heat Knicks up here as well. Uh, I'm excited for rivals week. I like what they did with it last year. I like some of these matchups they got. Some of them are team-based, which I like, and I like that they're running back the Kings-Warriors um, rematch from their series because their series was intense this last postseason. But I like that they did a lot of it based on player-specific. Like you got NBA right. Jokic, like we said. You got LeBron, Steph, Chet, Wemby, Wemby, Scoot. Um, so I, I like how they set it up. It, it, all of it makes sense. I just, I don't know, the like traditional NBA fan in me wants to have seen Lakers Celtics that just that is the NBA rivalry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't know why they didn't do it, but it is what it is. Like I said, I don't know. Like no we 
I don't see no Lakers fans that like hate the Celtics anymore. I don't see any Celtics fans that like hate the Lakers. Like when I like when I was growing up personally, like I hated the Celtics. I hate Paul Pierce to this day. No, and and they met in the finals. Like it, right, like I hate him to this day. Like I like Rondo now because he helped us win a chip. But like Ray Allen, he cool. KG, I don't know. KG's whatever. Like <laughs> KG just be KG just be talking. So he's a, he's in a whole different <laughs> boat. But like yeah, I I never liked the Celtics growing up. It is a little tough though, cause I do like Tatum now, so that will make it a little bit tough. But uh, yeah, like I said, that that rivalry just don't hold the same weight like it used to. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Maybe if they meet in the finals, it might you know rekindle some. Who knows? Yeah, it definitely would. The media, you know, is gonna play it up like crazy if it happens. That would be battle for Banner eighteen, which would be the most in what most in uh in the NBA NBA history. Do which, bo- they both have seventeen right now? Yeah. Which side note? Side note, the Celtics low-key be getting this name of, like, one of the greatest franchises, blah, 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 blah. They won all their rings in the 60s. Well, like it, As you said, Battle for 18, I'm like, so they both got 17. You tell me Bill Russell got 11 of them? <laughs> That's what Before I'm saying, bro. TV was in color? <laughs> bro, the Celtics get this, this, this brand of, like, bro, we're this great historic franchise. Like, that's what people be like, oh, my God, you're on the Celtics. Like, how can you guys not win a championship? They won one ring in the 2000s. Like, they, bro, they won their rings in black and white when it was racism. Like, what are we talking about? Like, these, they, bro, they are a historic franchise, but let's not act like these guys just win chips every year. Like, they just do this all the time. Like, bro, they won one ring, and that them that little bum-ass big three that they had got talked up. I swear, like, growing up, I felt like that big three with uh with Paul Pierce, KG, and Rondo – like the way they was getting talked about, I felt like they forpeated. Like, like they won mad rings. They won mm-hmm. one. That's yeah. it. And then like all the other rings was in the sixties. Like this Celtics is get them out of here, bro. Get them out of here. They're not one of the best franchises. I don't care what the rings say. They won all their rings when it was like eight teams in the league. <laughs> it's funny because I was uh I was like the deep three did a top thirty like all time ranking and they started like getting on like a Wilt versus Bill Russell debate. <laughs> And one of them had Wilt like super low, and he started going off about how it was like it was really only two centers that was good at the time, and it was obviously Wilt and Bill Russell. And it was mm. like, if Wilt is as good as people be saying he is, how did he let Bill Russell get eleven <laughs> rings on his watch? Like, could you could you imagine if LeBron had the same stats? Somebody like was not putting up nowhere near the type of numbers as him, but won 11 rings <laughs> on LeBron's. Like, yo, NBA fans would not let him hear the end of it. But it's like, That's we'll, true. we'll be getting regarded in this, like, top 10 conversation. Um, it's like, hey, bro, 11? 11 rings, bro? <laughs> I, can't, I can't speak on it because I don't know. It's tough because, like, that them Celtics team had quote unquote like what like eleven Hall of Famers or like seven Hall of Famers up there, but like are they Hall of Famers just because they won or were they actually good? Like I don't know because obviously it was, we ain't Hall, it was Hall of Famers at the time, but like you said, bro, it was not as many teams in the league. It's not that many players in the league. This was not some of these dudes' full time jobs, bro. I just bro, honestly, that's why I don't. Whenever I make a top ten list or ever talking about like greatest players ever, I don't rank will or bill russell not even out of like oh they suck but like 
How, what do you a, want me to do? I can't even rank basketball from the 60s. Like, that's so, it's so little to even go off of visually. It's not, it's literally not that much tape available. We don't have tape with a 100-point game, bro. That's what, like, that's what I'm saying. How could you, how could you genuinely make a correct list? You cannot even research it properly to make a correct list. Right. And it's like, they're playing a whole different NBA. There's eight teams in the league. If there was the what eight teams in NBA now, all the numbers, all the rings, and everything would be completely. and beat automatically in the conference finals. <laughs> Probably not, but yeah. <laughs> he gotta be just off of numbers. <laughs> like he gotta be. Imagine that he played a whole ten year career, never make it past the second <laughs> round. Eight teams. Eighteen. Nah, bro. He he ordered like a playoff star at the conference finals. You just gotta get there. Bro. He missed the playoffs every year. <laughs> but nah, but like I'm just saying, like, bro, I can't rank these guys, bro. They played in a whole different NBA. I can't do it. Yeah. Um just a wild sidetrack. <laughs> um, last thing I want to talk about with the schedule release is the number of national TV games. So the top five is the Warriors, okay. and this is just with TNT, ESPN, and ABC. So I'm not counting NBA TV. Um, so Warriors have 29, Lakers have 28, Celtics have 26, Suns have 25, and the Nuggets have 22. So really no surprises there. And then there are, what is it, seven teams, uh, six teams with just one game nationally televised, and that's the Wizards, the Magic, the Pacers, the Rockets, the Pistons, and the Hornets, which is, that's kind of crazy. Like, those are all of the, like, young, up-and-coming teams, like, you can slide them a couple more, like. I'm, I will say though, those are the teams that, because thinking about it, TV ratings are for like casuals too, like that is putting true. them on TV. And it's like if you're a casual, like me, me and you are gonna watch Rockets games. Right. A casual is probably not gonna watch a Rockets game. It's a lot, bro. There's a lot of people that like Alperen Sengun could walk past them on the street. You could tell <laughs> them that's Alperen Sengun. They're like, right, Ooh. right. <laughs> so, uh, so I, I do get it from the is. from the business perspective. Um, so I, I got a question for you then based on that. So of those teams um, with the lowest amount of games, again, that's the Pistons, the Pacers, the Magic, the Raptors, the Rockets, and the Wizards, which team do you think you would be watching the most? And that's going to have to be like a league pass vibe. It's going to be either the Pacers or the Rockets, and it'd probably be it'd probably be the I'd probably be the Rockets. Mm-hmm. I'm genuinely because they have so many good, like they have so much things that I want to see. Like I want to see Jalen Green. I want to see if he can really develop into this star. I want to see Shingun. I like watching him play. I want to see Cam Whitmore. I want to see like it's, they have so many players. Right. And I want to see the veterans. Can they mesh with the young guys? Ime Udoka's coaching. Like they, they have so many storylines. I didn't even mention them in Thompson. Mm-hmm. Like they they got so much stuff going on. I think it's them, but I will say the Pacers is up there because I feel like they're going to be such a fast paced team. Mm-hmm be very fun to watch too so definitely between those two teams yeah i think to me it's between the pistons the pacers and the rockets and if i have to pick one i don't think i'll probably pick the pick the rockets too but the pistons would be close for me because i really am excited to see Cade who with jalen Dern um because they literally didn't get to do it last year because he was hurt mm-hmm. for most of the season um i think they're going to be a nasty pick and roll duel uh, so I'm I'm excited to see that. And bro, K was giving the FIBA team work, giving them work. So I'm excited to see a healthy K Cunningham next year. 
Um, last bit of NBA news we got to talk about because the drama does not stop in Philly. Um, there is more that is unfolding in the, the James Harden versus Daryl Morey saga. Um, the NBA is now, again, launching an investigation into Harden's comments about what Daryl Morey lied about. I didn't um, even know that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so and it sounds like James Harden told league investigators that he was referring to Daryl Morey telling James Harden that he would trade him, quote unquote, quickly following him opting in to his player option for this upcoming season. And so now that they're saying that they're going to keep him, he feels like um, he basically got screwed over by Daryl Morey he probably wouldn't have opted into the deal had he not been told he was going to get traded, whatever. Which, honestly, at that point, then it kind of seems like you are looking out for the best interest of the 76ers because then you don't lose him for nothing because mm-hmm. he, he could have just walked. Thanks. So, again, this makes me feel like even more so I'm signing with Harden. Like, mm-hmm. he's trying to do y'all solid on top of the solid he did by even – taking the you know the pay cut the first time um and then <laughs> that came out today a couple of days ago James Harden who's now back in America from his China trip <laughs> was training out at like some Houston high school and got an interview done by a, a Houston reporter who um randomly was just like talking to him about the situation um, and the reporter asked him if he thought that the relationship was beyond repair. Harden said he thinks so. He said he's been patient all summer. And so at this point, he can just he feels like he just has to focus on what he can control and get ready for this season. Um, and on top of all of this, like I like, like you said, it's about to get ugly. And of all the people that you don't want to get into a standoff with, Harden may be like at the very bottom of that list. Facts. Um He's even now hinted at talking about wanting to go play in China. It's on the record as saying, every time I come to China, the love is crazy. You know what I mean? He said, so I feel like they deserve to actually see me come play here. The love is always crazy here. Now, obviously, literally due to the CBA, he cannot go play for the CBA, like the Chinese Basketball Association, while he is under this current contract with the Philadelphia 76ers. But he put all his chips to the center of the table. He's not backing down with wanting to play for the Sixers ever again. Uh, so, <laughs> A, what do you think about the NBA's investigation into all this? And, B, what numbers would Harden put up in the Chinese Basketball Association? <laughs> well, he – Absolutely. We talk about Will Chamberlain. He would be there, Will Chamberlain, as far as who, bro, dropping 100 point games. <laughs> he would go no. out there and destroy them dudes, bro. But, bro, Harry's not playing no damn China, bro. He's not. Like, I respect it. I respect the, the commitment to really not wanting to come back to the 76ers, but he's not. Even if, even if he was allowed to, he would not play in China, I don't think. But um, maybe in like five six years, but like no, right, he's washed. no way, like, no way he's doing it now. That's just he nah. just added fuel to the fire. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Maybe when he's like old and washed up, then maybe he'll go out there. And hoop yeah. Hoop. So y'all don't listen to what Kendrick Perkins said. I mean, I should know that by now. But like he out there on ESPN talking about he think Harden about to be out the league at this point, Shut which up. is like 
Yeah, the guy that led the league in assists last year. He's right. Just, he's just out the league. But Kendrick is just he's just dumb. <clears throat> but excuse me, as far as um the investigation, like I said, I didn't know they were doing this investigation. That was news to me. Um being yeah, like every just everything that I've been hearing, everything that I've I've been seeing with this whole Harden situation, it's like like you said, it just seems like Harden really isn't that much in the wrong. Like it feels like Daryl Morey is the one who told him something, promised him something, mm-hmm. didn't commit to that promise, and now Harden is mad, rightfully so. Like right. James Harden, I like I'd get it if James Harden just came to the team and like he was getting his money, he was just playing, like it was just normal. He came to the team, he took a pay cut, like he he done sacrificed this, sacrificed that, like balled in and try to win. Like James Harden, he's done his part to help the team. Um Unfortunately, not in the playoffs. I mean, he had a couple of good games, but I mean, he's James Harden. Like, he's gonna have some dis- some disappearing acts. But as far as just doing everything off the court to help the team win a championship or at least get far in the playoffs, he's done that. He's given money back to the organization to help them build a better team around him. He's done all that, and he was promised one thing. He didn't get it. Like, how mad can you really be at this guy? Like, he's literally fulfilled his side of his promises. And Daryl Morey just, at least allegedly, or what it seems like, hasn't filled his side. So I can definitely see why James Harden right. is upset. And now it seems like it's two separate things. Like, it seems like he took the pay cut, expecting the big contract, didn't get the contract, then was like, well, I can opt in so y'all can trade me right, and right. get something back. And then after he opted in, it was like, mm, nah, never mind, you're on the contract, we're keeping you. Like That's you, just, crazy. you did him dirty twice. Right. You did him dirty twice, bro. Like, yeah. And yeah, up until right recently, now. I think Harden represented himself like he was his agent. So I, I think he has one now. But like, hey, bro, you might need a new one. You getting swindled right now, bro? You're, <laughs> you're they are baiting you, bro. Message, bro. You're getting baited right now, buddy. So yeah, I, I kind of feel bad though because it's like if you're trying to be a good guy and genuinely, like, do things in the betterment of the organization of the team, and they're just like, you know what? Let's screw him over. I do kind of feel bad. You know right. what I mean? And it it's even crazier because, like, that was his boy. Yeah, like, like y'all were – bro, that was his guy since Houston. Like, that's what makes it even worse. Like, it's not like this is some random GM of a team he just went to. Like, they're supposed to be boys. Like, y'all supposed to be close. Like, mm-hmm. if, if anyone is not – if you think – Anyone anyone in the NBA or in the NBA organization is not going to screw you over. If you're James Harden, it should be Daryl Morey. That, that should be the one GM, the one right. guy that I know I can go to and I can trust him to have my best interest at heart. And right. he just didn't. So. Did it's him tough, man. dirty, bro. <sighs> tough, man. It's like tough. you said last time, bro, I could not imagine being a Sixers fan. We spent 20 minutes going off on Joel Embiid and then followed it up with James <laughs> Harden trade request drama. <laughs> they lucky that the Eagles got something brewing, bro, because it would be terrible <laughs> to be, be a Philly bad sports fan. They'd be down bad in Philly. Yeah. Um, we're going to wrap up today's episode with something that we haven't done before. Hold on, hold on. Time out, time out. Just, I'm just saying, just some breaking news. I don't know if you've seen it. I seen it when we was doing the uh, the top ten centers. Just because mm-hmm. we switching to football, I don't know if you've seen this yet, but it popped up on my phone. The Colts have given permission for Jonathan Taylor to per, to, to seek a trade. I was waiting until we was talking football to bring it up because you know we could probably it. 
we could probably talk about you know what i'm saying maybe destinations that he might go to hey let's talk let's talk about it because live breaking news finally i feel like every time this was this would have happened as soon as we stopped recording <laughs> literally as soon as we finish boom the request to trade or something like that but now nah, I, I saw that pop in my phone i was just like okay like this is this is interesting because on the one hand they could have had ar and jt that's yeah, let so me say i must i'm gonna say this now the there, I, I fully understand the running back market. I fully get that it's not a position that you really want to give a lot of money to, especially long term. But if there's any situation that a guy should get paid at the running back spot, mm-hmm. it should be this one. You have a rookie quarterback who is a raw prospect at that, so he's not. He's gonna need some time. Maybe the best thing to give him is, besides weapons and a good old line, is a run game to fall back on, so that he doesn't have all, all this right. pressure on him. You're not paying him. You don't really have expectations to win. You have a running back who carried your offense two years ago. All pro. All, all pro. pro. One Not of the pro best backs. All pro. <laughs> one of the best backs in the league. By the time his contract would be up, like that would be the time you would pay Anthony Richardson anyway if he ends up being your guy. So it's and like he's 24. So it's like you could give him a four-year yeah. four contract and he just like he's right now at the end of that gonna be hitting that typical drop-off point and he might uh, not who knows Derrick Henry don't seem like he's it seems like he's past that point and he's still moving like he's not about to be 30 bro Jonathan Taylor before this last year they were they came out and they said Jonathan Taylor hasn't missed a practice ever in his career before like obviously this last year he got injured Mm -hmm. like I'm talking about high school college NFL. That's how you know you're like practice. you're bound for you're too good, like too much better than the people that you're playing against. No, that is true. Yeah. Can, <laughs> you can't even accidentally get hurt. Like, <laughs> just, it could, it could not even gonna happen. You're just too good, bro. Right, but I'm like, so it's not like you can use the excuse of oh, this guy's been injured his whole career. Like the Saquon thing, like he got hurt a couple times. Right. He had these nagging injuries. Had a couple big time injuries. Jonathan Taylor, that was his first year of his basically his football life getting hurt. And now all of a sudden, I don't know. We can't pay him. He's he's a little bit injured. Like, come on, bro. This this whole sa- whole situation is kind of stupid. But then again, the Colts owner is an idiot, so not really that surprised. He, but, bro, he just needs to stop talking. Like, I don't understand why, as an owner, if you're gonna do all that, bro, be Jerry Jones. Don't have a GM. Be the be the GM. Mm-hmm. Like you handle the decisions if you want to do that. But I would be. Tight if I was the head coach, director, player, person, anybody in that front office. And it's like, this is happening because the owner is out here verbally talking about he doesn't want to pay Jonathan Taylor and getting into like multiple times over the past season. He just be saying stuff on Twitter or in interviews, like going against his own players, Mm -hmm. like causing messes that are unnecessary. And then he's not responsible for cleaning up that it is. Like right now, I'm about to fall to the GM to yield or to, to hear all these trade or trade offers from other teams. On a guy he probably wants to keep, like he probably <laughs> like to keep him. Yeah, Man, I don't get it. Good. But what I what I will ask you is, what do you feel like the best landing spot for him is if he was to get traded? <sighs> I got like maybe two that makes sense. Um. Maybe me, three. Actually, me, maybe three. These teams. 
Maybe. Mm, hold on. Maybe four. I mean, it depends. Like, if I'm a team, like, nah, you can't. It, has, it like it, it. It goes back to the market because a team like the Panthers, it would be like you kind of got. Hopefully, got your quarterback of the future in Bryce Young. You they just go. paid Miles too. Miles All right, Sanders, they just paid him a little bit. Yeah. Um, I don't know who it would make sense for. Like the the teams I was like looking at, right? I'm thinking, all right, one a team that doesn't have a guy that they're paying a lot of money to, um, or just doesn't have a guy at the running back position in general. So like, I was looking at a team like the Dolphins, maybe, because like all their backs they got Mostert, they're not yeah. paying him nothing. They got Wilson, they're not paying nothing. A chain is a rookie, like he, they're not, and he can't be a workhorse anyway. I seen Miami. That could be a possibility. You mm-hmm. can have a, a valid run game, so then Tua doesn't have to throw the ball as much. Less opportunity to get hurt. Then obviously, every time I, I feel like every time a running back is on the market, a lot of people bring up the Chiefs just because like <laughs> nah. they would love to see a powerhouse offense <laughs> like that. Which they would be just that offense would be. They're repeating it. They're coming. They're going back to back because that offense is ridiculous with All Jonathan right. Taylor and then you got Patrick Mahomes. But then a couple interesting ones I seen, I seen I I, I, lo- I thought of Chicago, but I don't know. I like Herbert already. Like if I'm Chicago, I don't know if I do that because I don't think you really. That was the next team I was thinking about. But then it goes back to like you're trying to like build out your team, and then you're gonna pay a running back to where it's like they're not gonna be a contender for the next minimum like two seasons to really make noise. Right. If you're lucky, I mean, like next season, but even then, it's like, are you really comfortable with giving out a big contract for like then that like the windows don't overlap perfectly because then it's like mm-hmm. you're gonna waste a year waste in the sense that like Jonathan Taylor is on a team that's not contending. Then like again, like if you go back to the running back drop off really happening at right after 27, then you have like two years of Jonathan Taylor on that contract, and it's like. It's, it's, are y'all really about to be a Super Bowl team that quick? I right. don't think so. So it's like maybe you should just wait until Justin Fields and that team is really there. And then at that point, then you just draft somebody. Like, I mean, it's, just, like, it's tough. Because yeah, even then, running back don't tip the scale. Like right. getting elite running back is like not the piece that like, oh, this is the missing piece of the Super Bowl. Like that's, yeah. that position it's is tough. not needed to win. It's yeah. not really needed. You don't need an elite running back to win the Super Bowl. So. That, those are the only teams that made sense. I think Miami, just because, like I said, they don't really have a guy there. Like, I like Moser, like Wilson. They're solid, but they're not Jonathan Taylor. They're not paying any of their backs. Um, I, I yeah, No, that doesn't make sense. I was about to say the Bengals, but that doesn't make sense because they got to right. pay Burrow. They got to pay Chase. They got to pay Higgins. They want to keep those guys together. Right. Another team that could make sense, but, again, like it – Makes sense on paper would be like the Vikings, but then it's like they just didn't want to pay Cook. Why are they gonna pay right. Jonathan Taylor? Exactly. Maybe they're, they're clearly comfortable with letting it be Madison. So right, maybe Buffalo, the Bills, because they matter of fact, hold on, because they were in the CMC sweepstakes. They wanted CMC. Mm-hmm. They've always talked about yo, we don't want Josh Allen to have all this on his plate. Like they don't want Josh Allen to be their running game and their passing game. Like he's pretty much that entire offense. I, Damian Harris, we can forget about him. He, it is what it is. I like James Cook, but I don't know if he could be a workhorse anyway. And if you have mm-hmm. a running back tandem with JT and James Cook, now you have a legit elite running game 
along with having Stephon Diggs on the outside and Josh Allen's your QB. Hey, and it came out today that, you know, Stephen A. Smith got the sources. He said that Stephon, oh he said Diggs wants out. Maybe that keeps Diggs happy. It, it might. Because then they are actually, because right now, I think a lot of people think that the Bills window is closing a little bit just because they had, they missed a lot of opportunities these past couple of years. But you get Jonathan Taylor, you have a, a legit running game. Your defense is still good, good to great. You got Josh Allen, one of the best QBs in the league. I, I like the Buffalo fit a lot. I'm not gonna lie. That that I think is the one that makes the most sense on paper and with their actual situation. Right. Yeah, yeah that or or Miami. Those two I think make the most sense for everybody involved. Like JT goes somewhere where they're contending, like at least trying to contend. Mm-hmm. There's a need there. I honestly think, from a scheme perspective, he may fit better in uh, Miami just with Mike McDaniel coming out of yeah. the Shanahan tree. Like I think he really would get crafty with the play calling, but I think the fit would be good there in Buffalo too, because then it gives it just opens up a new lens lens for that offense where it's like you know, people were not as concerned for Devlin Singletary, but it would be a whole different story if that was Jonathan Taylor back there. 100% helps open up the passing game. Like, mm-hmm. you're, you're more versatile, and it's not just the Josh Allen show anymore, So, which is good for his health, which is good for just mm-hmm. not being as predictable. Like, I know, I like that a lot. They they get JT, they're, I, I wouldn't, I don't know if I just flat out say favorites, but top two, three in the league right now, as far as, like, Super Bowl odds. Yeah, no, I, I agree. So, Bills... Dolphins both make a ton of sense. Now I don't know, bro. You, you would you draft him in fantasy right now? Draft coming up, so like right now, hell no, not it's a no. bad time. It's like, it is a horrible time. We got drafts coming up in a week or two. Right, right, right now, the way it is, even if even if he's like, you know, what, I'm playing on the Colts. I don't. I'm straight. It's too much bad vibes. I try to avoid right. bad vibes, bro. I'm good. I would be oh. tight if I drafted him like last week, and now it's like he's, gonna, <laughs> he's not going to play for the Colts. He's just going to hold right. it out. He's like, that was my that was my second round pick, bro. Right. <laughs> that's why. Listen, that's why you got to avoid avoid bad vibes at all costs, bro. I'm straight. Bad vibes could get you, bro. I could get you anywhere in life if you just avoid bad vibes. That's facts. That's a life lesson, right there. Right, we, bro. We give me y'all wisdom. <laughs> it's deeper than basketball. It's deeper than football. This is real life <laughs> advice. Avoid the bad vibes. <laughs> I'm dead. Uh, okay. So to wrap up today's episode, we're going to be doing some blind NFL player rankings. So I have three different sets here. The first two are current players. First one is going to be current quarterbacks. The second one is going to be current wide receivers. And the last one little random, but we're going to do Hall of Fame DBs. Okay. Um, and so I have them. I, I literally just wrote them out as I thought them up. So how I'm reading it to you is how you're going to have them, but you have to put them in order one through five, not knowing who's about to come next on the list. I bet. <laughs> Got to be strategic with this. Bet, um, bet, bet. All right. So let's start off. Let's blind rank these current NFL quarterbacks. The first one I have is Jared Goff. Okay. One through five. One through five. I think we, we're definitely going to get somebody worse. 
Are we gonna get two people worse? That's the question. That's what mm. you gotta you gotta, you gotta go with your gut. I go three. Three? I, I, I go three. I'll three. I think I could even co- I can s- convince my way to convince him better than somebody else. So I can okay. go three. The next guy I got, Jalen Hurts. Two. Two. I'm gonna I'm go I'm gonna go two. I'm gonna okay. go two. I, yeah, I'm gonna go two. I'm gonna go two. I'm gonna go two. Next guy I got Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm gonna go four. I think we can get somebody. I think you got a bum up there. I think you put I think you put somebody that stinks up there. So I'm gonna go four. <laughs> Next guy I got Joe Burrow. Okay, we good. I got one. I got one. All and right. I, if you put Mahomes, I'm be tight. <laughs> that would be, be dirty. <laughs> But the right, question so. is, is this next person worse than Jimmy G? Because the last guy, Jacoby Brissett. Yeah, he worse than Jimmy G. I think I, I snapped yeah, on that you got, one. Yeah, you okay. got crazy. I snapped okay. on that one. Okay, okay, okay. I like this. All right, next one. We're going to blind rank current NFL wide receivers. The first one, A.J. Brown. Damn, Okay. We starting off hot. Okay. Okay. You de- I think you got somebody better than AJ Brown up there. Mm-hmm. But it's not a lot of people better than AJ Brown. Yeah. I'ma go two. Two, okay. I'm I'm gonna go two. I'm gonna go two. Next up, I got your boy, NFL young boy, George Pickens. George Pickens, I'ma go, I'ma go four. I'm a, I'm not trying four, to be biased. Bro. I'm gonna go four. Next one I got. Is Terry McLaurin. Okay, he's perfect for that three spot. He's better than Pickens. I think AJ's better. I, I'll go three. I think he's three. Okay, okay. Next one I got, Chase Claypool. He's five. He stinks. Yeah, he's five. He's five. He's worse than – he's definitely worse than Pickens. He's definitely worse than Pickens. I agree. I just need – I need this – listen, come on. Jamar Chase, Jettas, Tay, I need somebody at number one. At number five. I got Christian Watson. Damn. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I'm joking. It's Devontae Adams. (laughs) Oh, yeah, we are. (laughs) I'm going crazy. That would have been grimy if I switched it on the fly. Oh, yeah. Uh, I know my my rankings, Billy. I know my rankings. This last one, I mean, you can't even really go wrong, but I just want to see how you would put these people in order because I didn't even, like, attempt to rank them. I literally just was like, Who's some Hall of Fame BBs? So let's blind rank these five Hall of Fame defensive backs, starting with this year's Hall of Fame enshrinee, Darrell Revis. The question is, do you have Dion up here? That's the real question, because Darrell Revis could be one. This is all DBs, corners and safeties. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> take a second. Think about Whoa. that. Whoa. Okay, 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 okay. I'll put him two then. I'll put Jarrell Revis too because he's up there. Okay, like, okay. You might have like a Dion or uh, my bias might see Troy Palomalu up there. I might That's put him at one. Number two is Troy Palomalu. I'm putting him at one just for my one. Bias. I don't wow. care. I don't two care. and I don't one care. knocked out in the first two. Now, now, hold on. Let me think. Let me think. All right, I gotta put the bias down. I gotta. Put the Steelers fan aside. Put the Steelers fan aside. I will put him three. 
Damn, I'll put him three. I'll put him three. Because I think okay. Revis could have a case of being the best corner ever. I don't think Palomaro has the case of being the best strong safety ever. He's up there. I don't think he's, like, the best. Yeah. So the next player I got for you is Champ Bailey. I put him. I guess I'll put him four. I four. Guess, I, I guess I. Yeah, I mean, I either way, he's gonna feel somebody. Gonna yeah, yeah I must say somebody oh, gonna be tough. So I just, yeah. I'll put him four. I'll put him four. I mean, I okay. probably should put him five, but it is what it is. Uh, next up, I got Dion. One. Okay, One. we good. Are we good? Because Dion's so the, the best la- corner ever. The last spot five, right? Yeah. Oh shit. Last guy I got. Ed Reed. Oh my God. I pulled it. <laughs> I folded the last one, man. Damn, I know I should have put Chad Bailey five. Damn. It's tough. Like, it's t- the it blind is- rank is that when everybody is that good, it's like, it's tough. Yeah, it's, it's so hard because, like, the, the yeah, it's so hard. Everybody is elite. Everybody's at Hall of Fame level. Yeah. It's tough. That was that was fun. Though. I like that. No, that was just fun, though. We're going to come back with those with some more yeah. positions because those was, A, that was three videos right there. First of all, that quick. <laughs> Oh, dude. Nah, quit. Um, dang, bro, the NBA season gotta hurry up, or yeah. he, not even, bro. The FIBA FIBA tournament need to hurry up. Yeah, I, I mean, so, I actually look. I feel like it's was it next week it starts. What's the name, my boy? Listen, my breakout player is hooping, man. My breakout guy is going crazy, like he should, like predicted on the Off the Glass podcast. To to wrap up the show, bro, talk to the people about punch your boy Austin Reeves, bro. Austin Reeves, first of all, needs to stop getting disrespected and act like he's just this Lakers guy that gets this unnecessary hype. Austin Reeves is actually a good basketball player. If y'all take the time to actually watch and stop hating, this man is a, is a good combo guard, bro. He could play with anybody. He could shoot. He could create his own shot. He could run the point. He could run the pick and roll, get people involved. Unselfish. Good passer. Come on, man. Austin Reeves. Everybody, every team needs an Austin Reeves, bro. So he's perfect for the FIBA. He, he don't got no ego. He's going to help the stars out. He's going to come off the bench. He's going to get some buckets. And he's going to play defense. Mm-hmm. And he's going to play defense. Come on, bro. No ego, but got the best white boy aura since Larry Bird. Confirmed. That's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. And y'all over here hating on my boy because he got a, the purple and gold on, bro. Stop hating, bro. All the reason is that guy. He's him. One of these days, you're going to do an aura draft, bro. An <laughs> <laughs> aura draft. I'm dead. <laughs> Let's draft a starting lineup based off aura. <laughs> oh, aura. <laughs> oh, fuck. I'm dead. Oh, my God. They need to add that. That needs to be a, a gonna attribute be a, in 2K. Yeah, but that's going to be a badge. <laughs> he got Hall of Fame aura. Uh, oh, man. Yeah. Last season, and it's, what, this is about to be the last week of the preseason. I feel like the preseason flew by, bro. Thanks, bro. I mean, season start was September seventh, off the yeah. top of my head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Season August been kind of flying, bro. I'm not gonna lie. August always feel like it drags because that's the month right before football start. But mm-hmm. August been flying, bro. Zoom. Yeah, so August definitely been flying. I'm ready, man. I'm ready for Ooh. this fantasy football draft, bro. I'm I'm, I'm locked. I'm Listen. watching the, the dynasty videos. I'm I got my game plan already. You know. Bruh, bro, hold on, hold on. Spreadsheet going. Listen, bro, I'm here with it. I'm, Yo, I'm, got I'm the here with it. I got the, I'm here, bro. I'm here with it, bro. I know who I'm drafting. I got him. I don't know if you can see him. I got him 
the tiered out right here. You can see the brackets. Yo. You can see where the break off. You know what I'm saying? These are my You see what they got to do to stop me from getting a 3P, bro? I got oh, people, not winning, bro. people going crazy. We got note takers now. This, I thought right. it was just fantasy. I thought this was just a game. This is a lifestyle. It's No, it's up. I'm winning, bro. I'm coming home with at least two chips this year. I'm letting y'all know right now. If I not, forget the three P, if I win the dynasty this year and the redraft, the very first episode of this podcast, I'm pulling up with two WWE championship belts around my shoulders, and I'm cutting a ten minute promo. I'm gonna have, <laughs> I'm gonna have theme music. Gonna, I'm going full nine on the editing. Is gonna be like for real, for real Monday Night Raw, bro. I'm not gonna lie. If you win both. Uh, you you earned doing it at that point. You got it. You earned it, bro. God <laughs> damn, we cannot we can't give it up like that. I'm sorry. I'm coming. I gotta come home with one. I got to. It's only right. No, nah, I don't even know right. if I'm gonna go for the because it feels like if you go for the win now in Dynasty, you really handicapping yourself later. Like it seems make more sense to try to like have a balanced team. But then again, it's like yeah. I mean, yeah. That's why you. Honestly, the what I've been seeing people just go based off of what happens in a draft. Not everyone does an auction, so it's a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. But like, say like, all right, say you're doing like a regular draft, like a snake draft, right? And you in the fifth round, and like Devonte Adams is there. It's like I might as well go for it now. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's kind of just the way the draft falls a little bit. So I don't know. It's a little bit tough. Auction is different though, because you could genuinely like. I'm going for the win now, or I'm rebuilding. You could just choose which one. I got an elite auction strategy. Y'all not ready, bro. Y'all not ready. Everybody, everybody in the league, y'all about to get finesse so hard. Bro, y'all not ready. I, listen, I ain't gonna say nothing. You know, I ain't gonna say that. Draft isn't what six days. Six days. Six days, we'll come back and we'll show our teams on the pod. We gotta right. be like, we gotta that's, gonna, that's gonna be a short right there. We're gonna right, right, right. Both who got the better up. team? Y'all let us know who drafted the better fantasy team. <laughs> Two video <laughs> dynasty and redraft. That's how you get facts. all the content. <laughs> facts, facts, facts. Uh, that's, Man, gonna do it. that's gonna do it for today's episode of the Off the Glass podcast. We made it all the way through the episode. We appreciate you as always. If you're on YouTube, be sure to like, comment, and subscribe to the channel. Um, if you're on audio platforms, five-star review or five-star rating, drop a review, pre-download the show. It helps us out a ton. We appreciate you as always. Um, as we're moving forward, we're probably the next episode might be a full NFL episode. Um, and then we'll probably get into more uh, like NBA full season previews as we get into September um, and the preseason starts to come around early October. So just giving y'all a heads up for that. But we appreciate the support as always. I'm Billy. That's Dame. And we out. Peace. Yes, sir.